0: Is paying your taxes ever going to be rad? I'm pretty sure it won't. But there's a lot of things that you you might surprise yourself with. Power on, mic check. Starting simulation. Immutable podcast. A With the Inuvival Podcast will be here. So with the noise suppression off, it just sounds a million times better. Anyway. I'm gonna go ahead and Jesus. I got like all this mucus, man. Stop it. <clears throat> I'm gonna go ahead and re-record this intro here. Greetings, all. Welcome to A Mutable Podcast. The podcast made specifically for muting. I'm your host, b Welcome to the first episode. As I said earlier, and I'll try to recapitulate because I was having some audio issues first recording of this. This is primarily a podcast about topics of interest to me, somewhat selfishly, loosely bounded to the following art, music, games, and technology, and a little bit of mindfulness. So if that sounds good to you, hope you'll stick around. But as I have said, Let me just stop there and say, I need to learn some strategies for managing my voice when that is the primary driver of, of, of the content experience. Whatever is, I haven't even eaten anything today, and I'm kind of mucusy. I don't really understand, but I think it's there's been a shift in the weather as of today. It's the first day in the fall where it got cold overnight and the house is kind of cold waking up which i love i'm in the south and uh, you know fall is it just can't come too soon uh, i'm used to being out on the west coast it uh, up in the pacific northwest is where i've spent a lot of a lot of my life and i'm used to that kind of you know fall doesn't wait around too long i mean by september you're really starting to hit some fall vibes really takes till about mid october to start to get it down here but i'm i'm good with it and in fact, I think every time I hit fall, things just feel less burdensome. They just start to, things seem to just open up. And I don't know if that, if I can really say that that's the reason I'm doing this now for the first time. You know, I'll just say again, because again, audio earlier was kind of, <laughs> my first pass was kind of borked. But this is not my first attempt at creating some content. If the word content had sneakers, man, then the sneakers would have big four inch holes in them right now. And in terms of the 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 common parlance of our times, I just I'm kind of just over that. But whatever. It is a concept. It is something we have to refer to. So this it's not my first rodeo, but my other rodeos were not they didn't really gel. You know, I, I did a lot of streaming on Twitch stream some video games. It was never a real consistent thing. I always enjoyed it and I really enjoyed connecting with people. And I enjoyed that it was interactive, which is something that, you know, these sort of like push forms of content don't, don't have as much. And that's, you know, it is what it is. I I do think that I found streaming to be a weird fit for me because it it always felt like you were pushing two activities into the same bucket that just didn't belong together. That's the feeling I had about it. It works for some people for me. I, I really wanted my focus to be just on the games or just on the people and talking. So yeah, I kind of, yeah, I kind of 86 that. I did try. I, I, for, I was out for many years. I came back to it recently and then I kind of dropped it again. Just, it isn't going to gel but you know i still want to do something i still want to I still want to talk to people as i said i've said to people before my social picture is lacking <laughs> it's kind of lacking i've moved a lot and life has been pretty strange for some years and uh, i'm really trying to lock into something that feels a little bit more fulfilling in terms of diversifying my life Engaging some new experiences and so forth. So that's kind of why I'm trying this, and hoping that I can kind of get it, just get it, get in a get in a groove with it. Just kind of, I can just kind of hook into it and keep this rolling for a while. Keep this going for a while. Getting used to the, the 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 whole vibe of speaking for content is another thing. I've thought about podcasting before, and it always came down to oh, you know you're going to have to script this up. Like you're going to have to write some stuff in advance of doing this because otherwise you're just going to sound you're just going to, it's going to be regrettable. You're going to sound a little bit drunk, you know, when you're, you're talking to people just sound that way. And I just kind of had a revelation recently that maybe it doesn't need to be that. Maybe I can just hang out and talk to you all. Like I would talk to a friend, you know, could be a bit one-sided, but you never know. I know that communities kind of rise up around uh, content creators. And, you know, I would like that chance to interact with folks and find out like kind of what what drives you and what, what kind of things you find valuable. Selfishly, this is just going to be kind of a weird stew of the things I like to talk about. And some people will dial into it and others, I think, will kind of go, yeah, <laughs> I'm good. It's a little bit too all over the place, but I think over time we will sort of like pull together a direction. It will start to, it'll start to feel a little more cohesive. But yeah, there's this this itch that I always want to scratch with with scripting things and stuff. I mean, I have an English degree, writing has been a big part of my professional life, so it just it's this paradigm that it just seems to so, I I would just want to layer onto things, and it's just not always. You know, I want to just kind of keep this loose and open. Gosh, where does that leave us? What's going on currently? I'm looking at Steam. There's a big Bandai Namco publisher sale happening. You got some things like Elden Ring for sale. We heart Katamari. Reroll. I really want that. That one is not on sale. Elden Ring. Man, I bought it, paid full price cuz I love those Miyazaki games. I love the Souls-like games. And I you know, even though I love those games, I've the only one I have, the only ones I have finished are the original Demon Souls and Dark Souls. I have tried to finish other ones or even Make much progress in other ones, and I have not, and Elden Ring is no exception. I'm hoping to get back into it. I had a hard time with the open-worldness of it. Even though I enjoy open-world games generally, I have felt with Elden Ring, I don't have much direction here. There is, There are some signs of a, of a sort of main quest line. But I have spent I spent like 40 hours in that game since it released and I just it just I couldn't sort of plug into that. And a lot of it just seemed like I'm wandering around finding progressively harder, random things to kill for experience. And loot. And of course, that is the essence of so many games. But it just and it's a beautiful game. And I am sure that if I get in the right mindset, uh, I'll be able to really enjoy it. But just haven't gotten there. wonder if other folks have had a similar experience. I'm just sitting here in this kind of office slash studio space at the start of a week off of work. Um, You know, it's probably too early to be really transparent about the challenges I face in making this happen. But maybe not, because I feel like a lot of people are on the same page. You live a busy life, you you want to do something like this, but anything like this takes time. And it it's not a fully disengaged kind of thing. That's the thing about something like games. You know, you play a game even though at some times it seems like work to finish a quest or something. Ultimately you're just sitting there moving your fingers and using your brain some. So, you know, it isn't a lot of, I mean, it may be a time investment, but it isn't, it's sort of just purely enjoyable. There's a lot of, Reward, like the reward to effort ratio is higher in games generally than in a lot of life activities and creating content is one of those. So, you know, would I be doing this when, you know, I come, I I land on my, my clear, my one clear day per week to do it. I generally haven't but i think the thing that i want to do going forward is spend you know like an hour or two on that day just doing this and seeing if that can you know if we if enough can can enough momentum can happen during that time to sustain something like this yeah so I was just recording along here, and of course, OBS is where my mic audio processing VSTs live, and obviously I can set those up somewhere else. OBS, for those who don't know, stands for Open Broadcaster Software. It's a very popular app for streamers, people who stream on Twitch, but it's also valuable for recording things like a podcast, especially cause yeah, you've got uh, the ability to do audio processing right there and it's all free. I used to do a lot of stuff in Adobe, but I don't have Adobe anymore. But anyway, yeah, at one point OBS just takes a shit like, without telling me like so the silent failures are the, the truly amazing ones. So I ended up losing like 30 minutes of, of recorded material. And I just can't, you know. These are the, these are the things in life that will derail you from completing something because you get so pissed off, and you'll go, "Well, it's not worth my time." But you know, like shit happens. Like you gotta, gotta roll with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try some stuff in Audacity, maybe, and some stuff in DaVinci Resolve. I think has some audio editing capability, so. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to work through the production end of this. It, we'll get through it. <laughs> we'll slog through it with our, our chunky boots. One of the problems I face is I have so many ideas for personal projects that I want to do. And just don't ever seem to start any of them because I know they're going to take time. I know that they're more effortful than sitting on my ass playing video games, but that doesn't make them any less worthwhile or fulfilling. You just recognize that, you know, it's a different kind of fulfillment. And I'm trying to get to that point where I can see that clearly and accept it and, and start to work on those things. If so many things like I have a pretty good sized, uh, digital music library, I want to kind of stand my AirSonic server back up so that I can can have that personal music streaming server set up. That was a really enjoyable thing in the past. It's obviously, you know, even if you're using something like Spotify or YouTube music, you're not going to find everything. It's just not, you're not going to, there's a lot of stuff that is, a lot of people can't believe this, but there's a lot of recorded music that is outside the scope of those services. So that's one thing. I mean, I just, there's, it's all over the place. Meanwhile, it is Sunday on the day before I go on. A, I have a week vacation. I have a week off work. It's unheard of. I don't even know that I took a week at Christmas last year. And it's, it's right at the start here of the descent into cooler fall weather. It's just, it's all gelling here. Some other things that have been kind of hanging over my head precariously, you know, like that anvil and uh, Looney Tunes hanging over Wiley Coyote's head. That's, uh, that feeling has been with me for months, and I think some things are clarifying now. Some things are about to get easier in my life, and maybe this is why I was able to get in here and start doing this. I don't know. But I'm just feeling so much lighter lately. Another thing that's really helped me lately, CBD. I would say it has been five years or more since I really tried using CBD as a bit of an anxiety, anti-anxiety tonic, as it were. And when I used to use it back then, I didn't get much from it. Got a little relaxed, maybe, but I realize now I think my dosage was just too low. So lately I've been taking these caplets. Now, of course, if you take it orally rather than, you know, the ways that you can take this are... Well, some people vape it or smoke it in flower form. I just kind of, I usually do the tincture or or caplets. and. The caplets, even though supposedly your body destroys half of the CBD that it gets in your stomach if you, if you swallow a caplet, it just seems to work better that way. The oil is kind of precarious because you're supposed to hold it under your tongue for three minutes or uh, even that isn't clear. Is it 60 seconds? Is it three minutes? Make up your mind, people. And then... And then don't drink water for like 15 minutes. And it just, it sort of tastes like literal hemp oil because that's what it is, which is very planty. And, it, you know, it's okay. But I mean, anyway, the caplets, the feeling that I've had just taking, basically I take a hundred milligrams, spread out across a couple few hours in the morning. And by midday, I mean, what I told someone here recently about how this works is, If you are an anxious person (laughs) who isn't lately, show of hands, what I find this to do for me when I take the right dosage is it's sort of just, it's just a minus. Like if there's a 10 point scale of anxiety, it's just a, it's a minus two buff. It just seems like if I'm having an eight day, it kind of comes down to a six. If I'm having a two and a half day, I'm not even, I'm feeling like Nothing. It's been really great. And I've been kind of taking it consistently for a few weeks here. And I would say, so it isn't a life changer, but it is definitely making the road feel a little less bumpy. And I've hugely appreciated that. I'm definitely someone who has appreciated cannabis in general over time. But I would say <laughs> I have gotten, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just I'm getting older or what, but my usage of cannabis has shifted. I was never like a, I mean, except for maybe like a couple years in my twenties, I was never like really a pothead. It's always been very occasional use. And even then I got to watch myself because I'm just kind of a lightweight with it. So I often, I mean, when I would vape weed, it would just be kind of like less is more. I find that a subtle experience of weed is the one I want because you just, if you go too far. For me, it's just an anxiety trip, and I've had a couple of friends who just off, who just swore off weed because they were like, "Yeah, I just, it immediately makes me anxious." And I'm just thinking, "Well, you just don't take such a big honking, horking, bucket lung bucket full of it, and you probably be okay." You really gotta just slow roll on that, anyway. So, and then I moved to, I moved out of a legal weed state to one that isn't that, and I don't have a hookup, and so now at this point. I've kind of been doing the the Delta Eight gummies over some time, but I also find that that's another one where it's you got to slow roll it, and you kind of I'll even warm up the day before. Like if I'm having a day where I really want to unplug, I'll start to just take a little bit the day before, so that the next day I don't have such a spring loaded reaction to it if I kind of take too much. So it's just an odd thing how my body kind of absorbs and processes, yeah, weed cannabinoids, what have you. So I've really found the hemp, the the full spectrum hemp extract CBD to be the right place. It's very hard to fuck up the the landing on that for me. So it's, yeah, I would highly recommend. I have brands I like, but I mean, you know, just (laughs) we won't go into all that. Maybe that'll leave room for a sponsorship. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay what else is going on? So I have this week off. There's this tendency to analyze it and, or I guess I should say overanalyze it. Um, but really I'm just, you know, in that mindful mode, I'm just really aware that I'm not having to work to cram in relaxation. That's really what it's like for me. That's my, my daily Sorry, my weekly experience of life is bust-ass Monday through Friday. We've been in a new house, so there's been a lot of home improvement stuff, and I try to eke that out on weeknights. Saturday, yeah, it can often be home improvement or some kind of errands or something. Largely, the day is spoken for. So by Sunday, it's the down day, the downtime day, and I'm just trying to fit it in. It's such an oxymoron. You're trying to—you're just working— hard to make sure that the the time off counts or something. So you're you're putting in these these boundaries and you're just creating this landing zone for optimal relaxation, just minimal work, minimal effort in any of the relaxing activities. So usually what that comes down to for me is video games. So I'm usually just playing some kind of game on Sunday and you know, making some good food and And that's it. You just, it just goes by instantly. And then that's it. And it just feels like the recharge doesn't ever feel that strong. So I don't know where my battery's at, especially after just the, I don't know, just life. I was going to, you know, I oftentimes want to talk about life and say, Oh, the last some months or some years have been stressful. It just feel like the deeper you go in life, the older you get, the more complex it can get. And just, you can't let it overtake you but it's hard to figure out how to recharge fully I guess that's my thing so now I have this week and I'm going to fight my my tendency to over engineer the relaxation i'm just I'm just gonna go with it I'm gonna take a hike in nearby Asheville North Carolina or surrounding area so I've got to find a spot that I want to hike and maybe a backup in case that spot looks Something isn't right about it. And I got to get my backpack together. I, for the first time in my life, I bought bear mace. Yeah. The last, the last long, I've done a lot of hikes over time where it's like, oh, you know, it's a mile or a mile and a half. Okay. I'm done with that in less than an hour or an hour. Maybe a little, what? I'm not running. <laughs> I'm not one of these trail runners, man. That just, that shit just trips me out. I'm, I'm, I'll be hiking somewhere the most uneven possible path. And some fucker will blast by me running about eight miles an hour, somehow navigating a hundred different routes on the ground per second and rocks and shit while they're running. I I don't get that. I don't really know what the appeal of that is. I understand it's going to work your muscles more to try and, and and it's a reflexes thing. It's a coordination thing to not twist your ankle about 16 times per millisecond. But that to me isn't, that's not the kind of challenge I want in life. I don't, I don't need to prove to myself that I can just, it's not a contest for, I'm not trying to defy death here. I'm not trying to defy permanent injury when I go out for an enjoyable hike. Okay. Y'all good with that? But the last, the last real hike I took was in Southern central Oregon, West of the Cascades. It was a rural area I lived in and not too far from there was just a big hiking trail, but there was nobody out there. People hike it, but it's not, it's not some kind of suburban whatever. And when I was out there, it was gorgeous. And I still have have the pictures I took, just these insane vistas of scenery with other mountains nearby and stuff. And the thing about it though, was I got to the back end of the loop, like the farthest point from civilization. And I got to a point, I was coming up a, a long rise in kind of a wooded area and It's pretty bright, so I can see quite a ways ahead of me. And about, I don't know, two, three hundred yards ahead of me, I see what looks like a mountain lion pop out onto the trail from the from the woods. And I think he saw me, too, because I think we both kind of stopped moving. And I was just looking at this thing going. What am I going to do if this thing comes my way? And I don't think I let my panic go to a 10 immediately, but I just stood there for probably three or four minutes looking at this thing. And then it finally moved and it kind of kept going. You know, it was crossing the trail and it just kept going. Ever since then, I have told myself that if I do any kind of a remote hike, I'm going to have some freaking bear mace with me. I've never had to use bear mace. I've only seen videos of it used. It looks terrifying. This thing is essentially a weapon (laughs) because if you spray this at a person, for example, you're gonna, you have the possibility of doing permanent damage to their eyesight, for one, especially if you're too close. It's just that kind of thing. So anyway, I'm taking this with me. I just want it as insurance. I don't think it's that likely I'm gonna run into a bear. I'm really more worried about, yeah, mountain lions. Adult fuckers will tear you up, pretty sure. And people, you just can never predict people. You get alone on some remote stretch of land with some stranger. Who knows? So, that's that. (laughs) That's as far as I planned for that hike. I probably need sunscreen. I don't have one of those cool guy hiking hats. So I'm going to get some, how to put on some sunscreen bug repellent? It's probably not the season for that. I don't know. It's probably, I'm probably okay there. There is some kind of a really good spray. There's some, there's something that's like, it was like a citronella citrus kind of thing. It smelled great. It's the only insect repellent I've ever had that smelled great. Now I'm not going to remember what, like what the brand was or anything, but it's like a natural ish insect repellent. I need to find some of that again, but yeah, probably a day hike. I don't know. I'm wondering if eight miles is doable. It's probably on the long side, but I have eight miles in my head somehow as a, as a thing could go longer, but yeah, the, the ones I've done five to eight miles is like, yeah, I'm pretty good by that point. Cause I'm not a super, super fit guy. I mean, I've, I run a little bit. I ran yesterday and I, I haven't been running much at all lately. I was like, just don't like running in the summer. I just, I basically hate it. As much as I love running outside when it's nice weather, I kind of hate running outside when it's hot weather. And I mean, what I, what I consider hot is ridiculous. I won't go, if it's already 72 degrees or higher and sunny, I won't go. Because it's just, you're out in the sun long enough and you're just sweating buckets. That's not how I want to do it. So I haven't been running much lately. I did, though, I did go yesterday. And I've been, you know, my times are slow because I haven't been running. And there's a tendency when that happens, you get to that point to just go, why do this? You know, just kind of give up on it. the Experience is still valuable. And, you know, even if you're not as fit, there's only one one way to get back there. I use the RunKeeper app to track my runs, map my runs and track my time. And at the end of the run, it will ask, you know, <laughs> rate the run. And it'll give you this range of frowny to smiley faces, one through five. Even at times like this, when the run was slow or, you know, if I was having some pain or discomfort or something, you know, a lot of people will just go to the very bottom, press that one. Like the, 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 the I can rip emoji, you know, at the, at the bottoms of the scale. But I always choose one of the top, just one of the smile, the big smile or the less big smile, you know, because every time you go out and do something like that for yourself, it's valuable. It's good for your mental health. But there was an article recently or or maybe an interview with a neuroscientist in the UK who said that the best thing you can do for your brain, period, is go for a walk every day go outside and go for a walk for at least i don't know what they said 15 or 20 30 minutes something like that uh i don't do that <laughs> i should be doing that kind of thing i don't know the basis for why this is so good for your brain but it is so yeah <laughs> just wanted to that's probably enough said about physical exercise let's let's go to the ex- other extreme end of the spectrum and talk about some nerd shit I just started using my Steam Deck again. I had bought the Steam Deck pretty much at my nearest opportunity, and I think that was... Was it last year or was it two years ago? This is how my memory is at this point. It's This is absurd. I guess it was a year ago? Because... Yeah. I bought it, played with it for a bit... And then once I got into this house, we moved into this house in January and we're probably moving again. Of course, (laughs) we'll talk more about moving a lot and how disruptive that is. So this thing had been in a drawer for like six months and I feel kind of bad. But yeah, I pulled it back out because specifically... Yeah, I wanted to have that flexibility to play certain games on the go. Particularly, I have been really, really sucked into this game I've been playing lately called Caves of Cud. I can't explain why this has sucked me in so hard. So if you have ever played a roguelike, you will probably know what I'm talking about, or maybe you've read about it and maybe you've been looking for an excuse to play one, this is an amazing one to play. Caves of Cud Q-U-D. This game has been in early access for a decade, and it's about to come out of early access and and release, like in 2024, but it's perfectly playable now. Fantastic game. Why is it so amazing? Well, I'm a sucker for a post-apocalyptic setting. That's the first thing. And this one in particular is less like Fallout, which is a little closer to the current time. And a lot of life resembles life in 2023, maybe just after a nuclear bomb kind of thing. You know, a lot of... I mean, it doesn't really resemble 2023. I mean, all this sort of 50s imagery. And Fallout is its own kind of vibe. But the, the whole point is it's, it's a fairly recognizable reality in terms of the game world. Caves of Cud. I mean on top of the the overall look and feel of it which it's not a 3D game it's a this has been built more like one of those old school text mode roguelikes like the original rogue or you know net hack or something like that these really old school OG roguelikes but it doesn't use the ascii characters they have a custom pixel art set of tiles. It's great. And there's so much to it. It's a little hard to describe, but just like a lot of classic, those classic OG roguelikes, it you know, according to what is it? The the Berlin definition of roguelikes is a true roguelike. Permadeath, if you play it in the classic mode, they have other modes now. And thank God, because I would not do well. I would not. I have played it in the permadeath mode. And yeah, I never got far. I never got past the first couple quests. Easy to die in this game. It's a very difficult game. Can be. But, you know, as we've all talked about, a lot of people will avoid difficult games. You hear people bitch about Dark Souls. Like, this is such a difficult game. You just have to, you have to pace yourself. <laughs> like the Mission Impossible thing where there's like laser, laser guided tra- traps or things all over the place. You can't go running through there. You have to like tiptoe and you have to like, you know, bend your body around corners the right way. Just that's how it is playing really difficult games. You have to pace yourself. You have to, and it takes some patience. Um, but yeah, thankfully, uh, this game has a role play mode. So it's, it will save your checkpoint when you return to villages in the game, which is very helpful. Anyway, I know it's just me sitting here talking about this, like, uh, this like retro style game that, that really, if you look it up, like it's going to appeal to a certain kind of person. And that sort of person is very old, not necessarily, but yeah, just, I am somebody who remembers that style of game from being a kid in the eighties and playing games like that on very old computers. There's a nostalgia trip to it, but yeah. So, um, roguelike game, procedural generation. Now the great thing is it isn't a hundred percent procedurally generated. It has, you know, and especially with this role play mode where you can save checkpoints, it has more of the vibe of Skyrim or, you know, like any Bethesda open world game where, you know, it's vast and the game procedurally generates a lot of stuff more so than in Bethesda games even, but you know, you still have these villages and these landmarks and things that help you to anchor within the game so that when you play it again, if you love the game and you it's just like, you know, I've gone back and played Skyrim. I only finished that main quest one time. I've tried to get through it again. And when I go through it again, going to High Hrothgar and visiting the Greybeards for the first time, that whole experience, you know, it helps me get it nostalgic. It's like I I loved this when I first played it. I remember these quests and that's kind of how caves of cut is as well. But yeah, sort of this far removed future. I mean, definitely seems like a nuclear Holocaust happened, but it's far in the past now, far in the past. Life has been vastly reset there. Most animal species are very different. They've mutated Most humans are mutated to some degree and there's something called true kin, which I don't even know. I haven't even explored that that much, but yeah. And there are just mental mutations that your character can get. There's all kinds of advanced weaponry. Uh, The mutations, you know, allow you to do things like throw up a force field or uh, open tears in the space time continuum and shove, you know, shove enemies through it and, There's a lot of emergent gameplay. That's just the sort of thing to say, like, unexpected things happen, right? Things that you would not expect. It's just a fantastic game. I could go on about it. I would just, and I probably will in the future, I would just recommend folks go check it out if you have ever wanted to play an OG-type roguelike. Not so much the roguelites. They might have called Dead Cells a roguelite, for example, because it's... Very difficult. It does have permadeath and it's procedurally generated. That's usually enough to get something, the roguelite tag. But if you want to play one of the kind of retro styled, authentic roguelikes, Caves of Kud as a as a revival of that formula is amazing. Go check it out. I've done quite a bit of talking here. Let me relay one more thing. I've been doing some woodworking for the first time ever. And when you find yourself at a certain place in life doing woodworking in your garage on a weeknight, there is something so irrefutably essential old person about doing that. I just feel like I'm minutes away from my AARP membership. I still have a ways to go for that. But yeah, it's interesting though, because yeah, we just bought these, we've had these very nice sort of side tables for our bedroom that we bought off Facebook marketplace, solid wood, but they had a stain on them. We wanted them to look like natural wood and we wagered to ourselves that if we sanded them, they would come out looking like that. But I've never sanded like a whole piece of furniture. I don't know what that's like, but we got Sanders. Um, we got a round one. Then we got one with the pointed, the the pointy part looks kind of like a clothes iron so that you can get into corners and stuff. And I got to be honest, I just, I was begrud. I, t- we bought the, the furniture six months ago and I've been dragging my feet on this. I haven't gone there. I finally did it. And I was like, This is more fun than I expected. Like I don't really, I am not, you all will come to know me. Some of you coming here from other places that I've been may already know me to be a fucking nerd. I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm not interested in that kind of stuff. DIY stuff is always, I do it in new houses because we we want to have the place look different. We want to modernize it. We want that experience of the home but I'm not doing it for the love of the task. I'm just getting through it, you know? So with this, it was kind of a similar thing. And then I just realized as I was doing it, I was like, this is so fucking satisfying. Just sitting here with this sander and just slowly, and not even that slowly. I mean, the whole thing took me, I don't know, to get the whole thing sanded, especially the corners, which are real awkward. It might've taken me what, three to four hours split up across a couple few days and it was done. And it looks great. I still got to put the polyurethane coating on it to keep it protected from drink condensation or whatever might go on there. But I'm telling you, like, try to see some of your life experiences that way. Like, if it's something you're dreading, try to go into it thinking, what if it was good? What if there was something about it that I actually liked? Because as I'm sanding that thing and I'm seeing that my hand motion is dictating how this is working and how, how evenly the sanding is happening. And then sometimes there's like a stubborn, little stubborn part and you just kind of, you know, lift up part of the sander and just quickly scuff it off. And then before you know it, you've transformed this thing. Anyway, I can't explain why it was so satisfying, but yeah, I would say with a lot of things in life, if you're dreading something... I mean, now there's just some things like, yeah, is paying your taxes ever going to be like fucking rad? I don't, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it won't, but there's a lot of things that you, you might surprise yourself with, especially (laughs) not to be your pusher. But again, with the CBD kind of in tow, you know, drop one or two of those before you go into some potentially boring or frustrating thing. It goes back to some of the mindfulness stuff. Like I've told a lot of people I I have insomnia. I wake up at night all the time. It's a lot of times it's driven by stress. I will turn on, you know, Eckhart Tolle. A lot of people know that guy. Famous uh, guru type guy, spiritual guru. Really just has the mindfulness thing very well articulated in his body of content between his books and podcasts and so forth videos. He's been all over the place. And, but you know, something about his voice is just really, really calming has sort of this like German accent, kind of German, German via London, you know, kind of vibe. Is he German? I don't know. I should know that anyway. Anyway, Yeah, really just almost essential because I started listening to him just to sort of knock myself out just because his voice was really chill. But I mean, the content, it's just, it always helps. It always takes me into my next day um, feeling a little bit differently and a little bit more patient, patient with life because there's a tendency in so many of us, to expect it to be something that it's not. But you have to enjoy it because you only get one. You can't, there's only so much of it you can control. And there's a there's a way in which you think you're going to control life and to steer it into some form that is going to be optimal for your enjoyment. And that I've just learned over <laughs> plenty of adult years now that that is not That is generally not likely to be how it works. So whatever format life takes, you have just got to figure out a way to enjoy it. And a lot of that comes down to just not judging things and not labeling things. You know, he said in one of his talks at one point, what would it be like if you didn't have any words to describe the things you see around you, like television, door, tree, What? what if it went to that level now step back from that a little bit and think about the kinds of labels you put on things like good or bad or dumb or you know whatever you know adjectives you end up putting on things around you if you could strip all of that away to this like point of consciousness where you you lived like a cat or something cuz cats don't label things they don't even call things bad or good they don't even call things food or water. They just eat and drink and sleep and goof around because they're, they're playing like all animals or almost any mildly intelligent animal that exhibits play because it's adaptive, right? Helps, helps you learn how to survive hunt things and whatever, but you know, they don't, they don't label anything. And They exist that way. What would our life be if it was like that? How much less angst would we feel because our ego is not like wrestling us into a deathly chokehold every three minutes? That kind of thing has been really, really helpful for me. Anyway, so it's with that kind of mindset that I came to (laughs) do some woodworking here recently to, to upgrade some of our furniture and it made me remember working with sandpaper. I just remembered the most random thing, but it kind of fits with fall because there is a band that I have been a fan just haven't even like, where do I even start with music? Music is just like this Uber important thing in my life. And in terms of just my experience of life, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have music, if I didn't have the experience of music, I think life would be a lot. I'd probably latch onto something else at that point, but it just gives me an additional like 50% quality of life or something. I mean, I just can't describe. And so from that perspective over many years, there's never any shortage of time where I'm like exploring music and finding, finding out about artists I didn't know or what have you. But one of the earliest points for me was of discovery was in, when I was in college. I was in my college town, in not a really big college town. I mean, a decent enough college town. This is a pretty big state school, but you know, it was such a such a vastly eye opening experience to be on my own at college and one of the things I did pretty early on was go downtown in this kind of college town area and go to a record shop. And this is in the mid (laughs) nineties. Let me just instantly carbon date myself to that point. And you know, record shop was just the thing. I mean, at that point in time, that, that was the music discovery, you know, the internet was just barely starting. So it wasn't, You didn't have music discovery really coming to you that way. A lot of it was just about buying used records and seeing what you thought, or sometimes you might even get to listen to it in store, but generally buying stuff and seeing if, if you really, if you really ended up loving it, if not selling it back. Right. So at that time I still had a, tur- I had a turntable. I mean, I had, I, you know, I had a, I had a CD player. I had a cassette player. I had a, a turntable. I didn't really have, I didn't really have a preferred format. I just kind of listened to whatever showed up, you know, I guess by the time I had CDs, yeah, that was probably better. Like I was probably preferring CDs, but I also still bought vinyl then. And I went downtown to this, uh, college town record store and I bought two, um, LPs. One of them was titled forestry. And it was a collaboration between David Byrne and Jack Dangers from Meat Beat Manifesto. And I was a big fan of both of them by that time. And I had never heard of this. And this was apparently produced in 91, sometime around the appearance of one of David Byrne's early solo albums. And... Great. It is definitely nineties, right? I mean, it has that flavor of early nineties in a way. And in another way, it's kind of unique and it has that sort of unique Jack dangers signature in terms of beats and just the overall feeling of it, certain signature samples or things. You're like, yep, that's him. But then together with these David Byrne moments and one of the tracks from his solo album made it onto the CP, uh, Called Machu Picchu. And that song just does something to me. And I don't know. Maybe it's, I mean, certain music you hear when you're really young, it just always sticks with you in a certain way. Like this record being with me at that point in time, like my first semester of college. Yeah, just really hits in a certain way. Fast forward, I got rid of all my vinyl at some point, and I forgot about this. And I don't know how I came back across it, but it it's on Bandcamp and I just bought it the other day on Bandcamp Friday. And it's And I just discovered it again and just love it all over again. I hadn't heard this in like 20 years. And it just gives me a sense that there's so much music out there, especially if you consider just music over time. If you can go back. 10, 20, 30 years, there's stuff out there that's just, you wouldn't believe how great it is. And it's just kind of out there waiting for you. You haven't, you, you, you're not aware of it. It's out there though. So anyway, that was a really cool moment of nostalgia to re-experience. But on that same record buying trip back in the nineties, I picked up an album by yeah another one of those uh records that i had picked up during that that early first fall of my college experience record store trip uh almost 30 years ago was by the artist known as the derudy column which sounds like a band name but it's really largely was largely the performing name of a guy named Vinnie Riley in the eighties in Manchester, England. And I got turned on to him as a part of my fandom of the <laughs> factory records catalog. and I still am to this day just from knowing about bands like new order and joy division before that led me into learning more about factory records, which was a really interesting scene. Even just reading about it long before the <laughs> sort of mildly mockumentary, actually don't know that it's mocking to, or it's not absurdly, I don't know. It's an interesting film. The 24 hour party people, And if anybody has seen that, if you haven't go see it, I think it still might be my favorite role for Steve Coogan playing Tony Wilson, the head of the factory records label. And just the way, just the way they present him and that whole scene really fascinating, especially coming into it as someone who is a fan of that whole backdrop. Go see that movie. But Daruti Column was one of the the bands on the factory roster, and I bought a double LP compilation of sorts. The name is actually escaping me. Something like Various Passages or something. It was kind of a, I don't know. It wasn't like a, a part of the, I don't know if that was an a official. I don't know if that was a factory release. It might have been some other thing. anyway. It's just mostly instrumental music. He made some attempt at singing. <laughs> the singing isn't great. I mean, I think a lot of us acknowledge, like the guy, like singing wasn't it, it's guitar play. The way this guy plays a guitar and the kinds of melodies he came up with, just true to this day, I will still turn it on. Fall reminds me of Derudy column music a lot. Albums like L.C. and Without Mercy You know, just hard to describe how strongly I associate that with like Fall Vibe. Um, Definitely worth checking out. The reason I'm bringing it up is it reminded me that the the whole reason I got interested to check out this band in the first place was because I had read (laughs) via my internet text browser. That's a whole other story I'll talk about sometime just my start with the internet in 1994 in high school dialing into the back end of the Washington University library server so that I could jump on the internet and use a text browser to download music samples and stuff yeah we didn't have AOL we had we had some more crude things and we still made it work modems and such most people are just there's any number of people right now are just dropping just dropping off the podcast found out before I ran into this album and just picked it up in the used records pile at the record store, found out that their initial release, the return of the Derudy column, the designer for Factory, his name was Peter Saville, and who turned out a lot of really amazing really like added to the the intrigue of factory records releases in the 80s some of the designs that came out that he made including the blue monday new order 12 inch which was looked like a basically looked like a floppy disk and it cost them so much to the to make the sleeve that they didn't make any money on the record i think they lost money on the record on a, on a release as big as blue monday i think if 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 i'm remembering right I don't, my whole thing with podcasts at this point is like, I'm not researching anything. Somebody can come on and comment in whatever fricking subreddit or whatever shows up to support this podcast and come on and tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. So anyway, point was factory records was very like self-aware kind of, no, what am I saying? Very like, overly intentionally artsy, (laughs) like everything about it. So when they, the first album that put, they, they put out for the Daruti column was called the return of the Daruti column, which is really hilarious because there was not a return. It was their first, it was their debut album. And it had, they made 3,600 of these. It had a sandpaper sleeve. So Tony Wilson, the head of the label Told Peter Saville, you should. Here, you know, basically, he suggested it with books somehow, and then Peter Saville picked it up and made the sleeve for the Return of the Drudgie column out of sandpaper. So when it went into one of these vertical stacks that were in, you know, whatever your collection, it was just gonna shred the ever-loving fuck out of whatever other records it was near, it was next to, or whatever sleeves it was next to, would grind those into nothing. God forbid you had you had records in there that were not in a sleeve they would be done for. And it's just this great huge irony because of the type of music that the Derudy column makes. It's not some kind of abrasive hammering like punk record. It's this like very um melodic instrumental pre-post-rock <laughs> kind of vibe. Uh, just amazing. Those kinds of moments, when I read about them, have fueled my my passion for music and the kind of way that it messes with your conception of reality and your your general perception of things in the way that any great art should. But for me, this is just my, this is my format. So anyway, I just thought I would share those anecdotes with you about fall and music and sanding things down to nothing and hiking and playing games. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I'm going to do more of this at some point. And I hope that I'll have you around to listen in. So thanks for checking it out. I don't have some kind of clever sign-off phrase, you know, like the best podcasters have. So I will just say, go in peace. Be good to yourself.